Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to a three-point victory edition of RFK Refugees Podcast. I am your host, John Hoffman, and with me is not Ted. Producer Brian's in the house. Hey, hey Brian, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, John. How was your weekend? It was uh, well, you know. Besides the obvious, you know, we'll leave that to the side. It was a it was a good weekend. I was at a uh, I went to a a princess ball uh, on one of the nights. Uh, that was that was that was precious. And then I you know got to watch a bunch of soccer all weekend, and you know had played baseball outside, had had brunch. It was just a I was winning all over the place, up and down, on and off the field. What about you? What you what you get into this weekend? Uh, about a hundred pounds of laundry. <laughs> um, but you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get that every, every couple of weeks. So sure. Sure. Yeah. I, either spread it out or you take all the pain at once. Uh, yeah, there's, I, there's no way to escape it. Uh, so I think we want to start the show with the biggest news. Uh, and that is Snickers and the Washington spirit have, uh, come to an agreement that Snickers is going to be the official, I believe candy bar of the Washington spirit. So there's nothing else going on. That's more important than that. We want to make sure we covered that first. Brian, how can you react to this? What do you What are your thoughts? So, do you have Snickers feelings? You know, um, I often find myself hungry um, <laughs> when I'm either watching a soccer match or you know not watching a soccer match. And I've come to know over the years that um, if if I'm hungry, I should not wait. Should see <laughs> Snickers, and I'm really happy that the spirit have embraced. Um, this particular way of, uh, of filling that void in my life. Yeah. And um, so I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be activations. I'm sure there will be, a, a, I mean, they, they should do ads. I feel like they should like do, they should meme it up a lot on social just oh, because of this man. agreement. They should, if they don't, they'll, I think they'll regret it. Uh, but let's just, let's just drop the, the artifice here. The, the real important thing here is the 2024 season started, uh, and it started in the best possible way with DC United winning at home against New England Revolution, a team often talked about as a perennial or at least recently perennial uh, North uh, or Eastern Eastern Conference powerhouse. Uh, and DC United just, uh, you know, laid the wood to them pretty much the whole game. If you look at the XG charts, it's a it's a pretty extensive paddling even before uh, one little bit of thing that changed the entire makeup of the game. But. Uh, I want to get started by looking at the lineups. This is a question a lot of us had because, you know, we didn't see any of these games uh, mm-hmm. for reasons uh, that have not been discussed anywhere, particularly not on this podcast. But we have not seen this team in action. So let's get into what this lineup looked like. It was a 4-2-3-1. Alex Bono in net. We knew that was going to be the case. We did not know what the back line was going to look like. We had uh, Lucas Bartlett. Oh, cool. They didn't put it in order, so I have to think about it on the fly. Lucas Bartlett <laughs> and Christopher McVeigh in uh, in the center back pairing. Uh, Pedro Santos at left back and Aaron Herrera at right back. This is a, w- was a point of concern because all these players other than Pedro Santos were new. Pedro Santos in no universe was the intended first choice left back for this club, but we'll get into that uh, a bunch, I think. Uh, but that was the first first back line uh, of 2024. Uh, in midfield was the uh, somewhat obvious, potentially after we heard uh, the Russell Knauss news of Mateus Click and Matty Patola Paltola in, uh, in 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 the midfield, and then a front four of Ted Cudibiatro, Gab- Gabriel Parani, Jared Stroud, and Christian Benteke. Uh, 
you don't really need to get. Well, we'll do it. We'll, we got time. Uh, Henrik yeah. Ravas, who is the latest goalkeeper by New England, intended to potentially go play in the in the Premier League, is the hope. Maybe not after this game, but certainly that was the hope. I think in the beginning. Uh, Dave Romney, who is uh, we heard in, in the Champions League game in midweek, is a distant relative to Mitt Romney. Thank you to the announcer there for letting us know that. It's good stuff. Uh, he was paired with Jonathan Mensah. Nick Lima starting his first game, I believe, uh, since coming over from Austin as a free agent signing, and Dewan Jones, who had a fantastic game. We'll talk about him, too, I think, probably in this game. Noel Buck in midfield, uh, along with Matt Polster. Carlos Carlos Gill, uh, just just the danger man. <laughs> uh, Tomas Chancaclay, which I'm butchering, and I'm definitely going to butcher, Esmir Barahatarovic, and uh, Giancamo Veroni, who wasn't there long. But we could talk about him too. What did you think when you saw this lineup before the game? Um, I was definitely concerned about uh, how we would come out, you know, not having seen this defense, not having seen any part of this defense besides, um, you know, uh, Santos last season and then a couple clips of. Uh, Herrera getting scorched in uh in preseason game at Dallas. So I wasn't exactly, um, I, I didn't know what to think. Um, you know, I was, I was excited, I think to see Gabriel Pirani, which, you know, we'll, we'll get to a little bit, um, mm-hmm. ab- about how, how well that excitement landed. Um, but I was, I was mostly curious, uh, to, to see how we would come out of the gates. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we were all sort of in that place. I think, you know, we talked about the predictions before the show. I had a 3-1 loss on the books. Ted had a 2-2 draw. Obviously, I was way more wrong than he was, but I just didn't know what to expect given what we had been told and given a completely new back line for the most part and, you know, just a lot of variables up in the air. Uh, and from right from the start, DC United was on the front foot, was, mm-hmm. was pressuring uh, the whole way. And it really started from, for me, it started with Jared Stroud. I think he was a dynamo all game. We talked about this when you and I were on IG live is he reminds me of a Paul Ariola As far as a motor goes, he is on the right side of the field. He's in the middle, middle of the field. He might even find himself on the left-hand side. Who knows? Uh, he defensively, very aggressive. Uh, his first move is always up the field towards goal. I'm really excited to see him. I was, I, I am sure talking a little bit of mess about him, uh, in the in the season before where, where it's like, oh, Chris Durkin uh, traded for two guys that I didn't know on St. Louis, which is all my fault. Uh, he had eight goal contributions last year. That's just me being a lazy DC United fan. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but they were it, it, pressure from the pressure from the onset. I think that New England was giving the ball away in some dangerous spots. They were trying to play out of the back a little bit. I thought didn't it didn't really carry off so well. Uh, almost immediately. Uh, something happened that would become lo- impactful is uh, Veroni deciding to be a bit of a, a dick and just block a free kick from uh, from Mateus Click for no reason uh, in the 12th minute. Not something mm-hmm. you typically want to do. I don't know if he thought maybe uh, replacement refs were unaware of uh, of infringing on a free kick as being a yellow cardable foul. I don't know. Uh as soon as that happened, uh, again, I think the game. If you look at the X- XG chart. Uh, aside from, and I don't have the minute this happened, but aside from the Alex Bono save, which could have changed the game on its head. I don't know if that was before the red card or after the red card. Uh, but, 
I think that was was that Veroni on goal or was it Gill on goal? Yeah, that was uh, that was about like at 19 minutes. I think I okay. think there was the was the save, but it was very shortly um, before um, the aforementioned red card. Gets the leg down on the near post, doesn't get beat, deflects it out. Uh, I think it was Bartlett that or McFay that headed it out uh, for a corner. But that was the that was the moment. I think it very mm-hmm. very clearly. There were a couple of moments in this game where your past experience with DC United allowed you to be very, very pessimistic. And like yeah. the cloud, the dark clouds were quickly uh, approaching, but that didn't happen. But then uh, 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 as a gift, a opening opening night gift for DC United, uh, that was not the only dumb thing Veroni did. Veroni also uh, got a second yellow on a tackle on who do not remember who it was on to the left side of the field. Uh, it was it Santos? It might have been Santos. Don't remember. Um, I, I I also don't remember who it was on, but also not like a a very clear yellow, but not a yellow that was needed. We weren't in necessarily like a dangerous, you know, transition. He just slid in, threw a leg up, left a leg dangling in the air. Very clear yellow card, and uh, he was sent off and you know um i think that from from that moment on uh i think that's when dc you know really started to sort of smell blood and and go for it a little bit harder the foul was on uh mcveigh it appears based on the ticker here so again to your point was not was not a goal threat all the way out there uh i would say the first half the things that were notable were pirani and Ted Coutipietro not necessarily being sharp. I give Pirani a little bit of a pass based on the fact he spent most of the preseason in a tournament with Brazil, with the under-21s, I believe. Uh, Ted just did not look sharp. He did not look... He was. He looked very... He looked like he had the weight of the shoulders, weight of the world on his shoulders a little bit, was taking shots from outside the 18, being blocked over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about all off season that basically because of the lack of a secondary scoring option being acquired in the, in the, uh, in the window, it's going to have to be him. Uh, so I think there's gonna be a lot more attention to him and he's going to have to work maybe a little bit harder to create his own shot, uh, particularly if that's what they're going to leave him. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I think one thing I, I noticed to uh, reflect in the game is um, those three. So Stroud and uh, Ted Kudi, Pietro and Pirani, um, had a little bit of freedom to move inside and outside. Um, I think Stroud had a little bit more comfort just playing up and down the lines on the outside. I think, uh, you know, I often found myself squinting at the TV trying to figure out whether it was Cuda Pietro or Pirani picking up something and driving into the middle. Um, I, d- I, don't, I don't think they really got their interplay kind of humming until the second half and that interplay largely was uh ted cutting inside um with runs inside and being a little bit more effective there Pirani's stats just for a quick buzz here played 74 minutes xg of 0.68 x assist at 0.14 uh 46 touches one out of two successful dribbles one out of three accurate crosses dispossessed twice uh one (laughs) attempted no tackles uh, which by the way, if you listen to Roach's podcast with Charlie Bohm, uh, this week, they were looking at, they were talking about how little defensive work Pirani does 
as a mm-hmm. 21 year old. Uh, and there, the idea was like, you are not good enough yet to just play half of the game. Uh, so maybe you can consider doing that, but he's one for five on ground duels, uh, and dribbled past once. So did not, did not cover himself in glory on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I think certainly could have had some, uh, you know, was left a little bit to be desired, <coughs> but it's early days. He didn't have a lot of time to work with the team. I would say too, we talked about this at halftime. If you joined us on the Instagram again, that's a plug. We're going to be doing that every game. Hopefully that's the plan. Uh, we were talking about Christian Benteke being a little bit wasteful in front of goal. He did score in the 34th minute on a ball that required a goal that required VAR, which I think, I think they said that there was 12 VAR uh, calls this weekend, which is above normal by a lot. Uh, but Christian Benteke that was that a that was a header that it got over the line or did he, I'm trying to remember the the setup. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it was a header um down into the the foot of uh of the the goalkeeper. <laughs> That's right. It was header kicked ball header. That was the that was the hat trick. It was the <laughs> I I don't know if the, I think the Benteke hat trick is probably just three headers because it's just a matter of like lay it up and let the let the big man dunk it. But uh, it went. By the way, too, the the coolest thing about the goal and the VAR. I don't. I'm, sure, I'm not sure you've seen the video footage. I'm sure you probably have actually. When they're showing him leaving the VAR footage, and you see the referee like point towards the center circle, but Benteke's in the way, so it just looks like he's like pointing at him, and then the whole team goes around. It was. It's a cool look. I hope they <laughs> I hope they utilize it for for a lot of stuff. But an early lead uh, for DC mm-hmm. United, and I would say they were rarely troubled. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about, we'll talk about the thing. (laughs) We'll talk about the big, the the big thing, but they were, they were, you know, they were still had the, they were way on the front foot after the goal. Uh, Jared Stroud should have scored in the first half, hit a, uh, I believe it was, hit it off the crossbar. And then the, the, the rebound, he was unable to put back on frame, but Mm -hmm. it was slam dunk. And Ben Deke had another opportunity where he was inside the six and should have scored and did not. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but we we yeah. end the, we but we end the half up one nothing. Yep. So we, we we brought up the VAR review. So was that was that 12, 12 over rulings or twelve times they went to VAR? I think just twelve times they went to it. I don't have okay. the breakdown okay. of because it seems like everyone that I've watched has been a clear and obvious error that they've corrected. Yes. Um, it's twenty twenty four. Um, Lionel Messi plays in this league. <laughs> And we don't have goal line technology, let alone a camera that can look at the goal line. Yeah. Now, the angles they were showing on the VAR were not super helpful. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, like he, I'm, I'm, I, I believe it was the right call. I also believe that if we hadn't had um, substitute referees, there's, there's no way that MLS standard like by the book VAR is overturning that right like if you're mm. if you're if you're at the it, well well here's an example if you're at the point where you're determining goal or not goal and your answer is to call the center referee over to look at the screen and look at angles that's not happening um <laughs> you know you know last season um so uh, but I'm I'm happy we got the goal. You know we'll we'll need a couple to go our, our way this season if we want to make the playoffs. Um, but but yeah, the the amount of money coming in this league now, uh, you know, put a GoPro up there or something uh, so we can see the goal line. Um, 
I didn't give Pedro Santos his 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 due there. He got the assist on the Benteke goal, so that's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. something. In the post game stats, they, they called that out. He created three chances and had five interceptions, which they didn't talk about maybe being beaten off the dribble or or turnovers, but yep. they, they did they did highlight that. And I don't. And by the way, uh, being mad, I want to be be nice to Pedro because I first of all he may be our only left back on the team. Uh, other than Connor Antley. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but it's like being mad at a truck for not being a Ferrari. He's <laughs> he's 36, 37. I always forget. I want to give him one year on the other end of it. Uh, he's he's going to he's gonna be beaten for pace, and teams are going to target him. But he shouldn't necessarily be your starting left back on a team that's trying to compete, particularly on, against a team that is trying to take the ball, take the game, take the game to you. Uh, he's he. I think he's a good left back when you're chasing the game, maybe like a late, like a late mm-hmm. game offensive option, but maybe not a 90 minute option when you have a whole game to manage. So it's yeah. not his fault. Uh, but anyway, he's he's what we got right now. We'll talk about that. Thir- Thirty five years, three hundred and ten days, John. Yeah, there we go. A, a, at least I a did. How months. dare I? I will not. I'll round down. He's thirty five. He's not. It's not yeah. the other thing I said. So we get to halftime. Kind of curious about how the rest of this game is going to go. We got a man up. Historically, DC United typically plays worse with a man advantage. They don't know how to break down a team in a low block. And what usually seems to happen historically is that they will give up a late equalizer. And then sometimes even a second goal and lose the game Mm -hmm. has happened. Uh, But there was no substitutions at half. Uh, Santos and Stroud pick up early yellow cards. Uh, Did not seem to matter. Ian Harks comes in at the 61st minute. That's a reminder for those of you who do not remember that Ian Harks is now a member of the Revolution. You should remember because he scored against DC United last year and celebrated and people got mad. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he was there. Uh, His dad was there. His dad was there because this was Legends Night and they were were dedicating the press box to Dave Johnson. The It's Mm -hmm. in the Net press box, which I think is wonderful. By the way, if anyone is listening that cares about this, uh, you've got to finish your... You've got to figure out your radio contract and... I don't know. I don't know. They probably have the use utilization numbers. I only use the radio call uh, for DC United games at home games. I don't. I, I don't. I don't listen to whoever else is doing it. So best 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 additional feature from going to Apple TV if we're going to lose like the the regular home feed uh, and killer uh, feeling that it's not there now. So yep. um, if you're um, hey, Tim I, Cook, I. I <laughs> I, I, I know our most active uh, Twitter fan base is a Washington spirit fan base. So if you're tuning in, hoping to hear about the spirit and you miss the Snickers news, uh, <laughs> now, now, now's your time to, uh, to tweet at the team to make sure they get this uh, radio deal locked up. Yeah, please do that. That'd be great. Um, so let's talk about the 67th minute. Carlos Hill scores a curler, uh, upper 90 far post. Just phenomenal goal. Just a goal that you have to just say, "Hey, what are you gonna do?" Uh, not much we could do about that. The turnover. I'm. I, I have yet to watch. I've watched little bits and pieces of it the second mm-hmm. time around. Um, but it was a it was a goal that I know that I was particularly thinking. A unsavable. B we are absolutely gonna lose this game somehow. It yes. is for sure yes. gonna happen. And 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 I think too for me it highlighted like I'm I'm sitting there and I'm watching him dribble through the midfield. And I'm and I'm just thinking to myself, this is this is what we're missing. This is the the thing that um, I don't know what we have on this team with all the new additions. I think, 
you know, we'll get to some of the bright spots of what we have. But, um, you know, Benteke, Benteke is not going to do that right. And, no. and, and, I, and I think that we all hope that either, you know, maybe that's something Ted can grow into, um, you know, the... Yeah, you know, there I, are people I, that I've think never... it's Bronny based on the fact that he wears a number ten, and yeah, that he should but, be able but, to do but it. But he, but he's not, he's not that kind no. of number ten. We, we've never seen that sort of thing out of him. Um, no. But when I think about some of the things that differentiate, um, like okay teams from good teams, is they have somebody that can take a moment and and like create a moment of brilliance. Um, and yep. do it consistently. And, and he's done that throughout his career. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I mean, like I, I hated to see it go in because it was an absolutely beautiful goal. I don't like, I don't know if it was up for goal of the week. It probably wasn't cause they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, it but I, yeah, if, if they'd won, that would have been a, a top candidate for goal of the week. It was, it was a beautiful shot and hated to see it go in. I think you know you're right. Like think about the t- Zellerion, Kucho, Hani uh, Mukhtar, the player that can create a goal from nothing, from different mm-hmm. spots in the field. Don't have it. Don't have it. Nope. That will be a thing they have to. Ad- I don't have to address. To your point, if Ted becomes a ma- Ted magically advances his career like right. two seasons at a time, or Pirani does too. There's a lot of this team, and I think it, we talked about it all in the off season. I, I still sometimes crack up the fact that we continue to podcast all through the offseason with no news and have to, but we do and did. And we looked at the fact that like, you know, this team is hamstrung on a salary cap basis. They have two aging DPs. They had to get an under 22 uh, or a young, a young DP to be able to have to fill the under 22 spots, whatever the deal was. Mm-hmm. They, they're basically looking at like next season when they're able to do that, when they're able to go mm-hmm. spend the money. And I, and I'm starting to believe that they will this year is about, okay, our ceiling is somewhat limited by the fact that we can't do that. All right. But to succeed next year, we need these three or four players to get enough minutes and prove themselves enough that they can be complementary pieces to that number 10 that we bring in or whatever the position may be. So it's weird because we're in this sort of having to accept two different ideas at once about what the season is, is, you know, we get all excited because of this game and we go forward and say, we're going to, we're going to, going to challenge for the playoffs it's almost incidental it doesn't really matter for the long-term top end success of this team it's about can you develop these four players and those four players are ted kudu pietro christian fletcher maybe uh gabriel pirani mm-hmm. uh and then and then Poltola. can he be can can he be a guaranteed four a guaranteed six in this league that doesn't get pushed off the ball and knows what he's doing at all times, and it has the speed ready to go. If you can get those four players humming at a level higher than they are right now, next year you go spend that money, and then you're talking about all right. We're, we're, there's no reason we can't be looking at, you know, three, four in the in the East, right? Right. Uh, so in the second half, uh, Connor Antley comes on for Santos in the 68th minute. He is Santos is cooked. His legs are dead. <laughs> there was there were people there who were one of our Twitter uh, followers who I met I think one time in uh <laughs> I think I met him when I was sitting in the Eagle Bank club in this at the Cincinnati game uh where we lost like f- 5 to 2 or whatever that crazy mm-hmm. game was at the end of the season but he was saying he sat right in front of him and it was hilarious at he he hit a wall like a fitness wall and his sharpness just went completely in the toilet he got beat over and over again gave the ball up 
trying to see if I can find them very quickly. Uh, I'll tell you what, this is from Carlos Pablo. I'll tell you what, after having a front row seat to Santos in the second half, when he tanks, he tanks hard. At around the 55-minute mark, you can tell the gas tank was empty. Countless mental and tactical errors ensued. Left back is absolutely an area of concern. So he saw it right up close, but we all saw it on TV. Also true. Uh, Christian Benteke saves the day once again. Turns for, for, So from 67th minute to 72nd minute, I was Eeyore. I was for sure. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to have to talk about this stupid game. I can't believe it once again. Uh, but this time Benteke scores uh, off Con- uh, Connor Antley <laughs> in his first game and only four minutes after his arrival crosses mm-hmm. the ball uh, to the center of the box. I believe it was was it was it flicked on by I'm trying to remember. It was, was it Aaron Herrera to Antley to Benteke. I think so. I, I, I there there was a flick on to to Benteke just to poke it home. Sorry, um, Herrera was the assist in the third goal. So yep. they, uh, but. Scores with his feet there, gets it over the line. Uh, we have a two-one lead. We are feeling pretty confident at that point. Uh, you know, we empty the bench at this point. Seventy-fourth minute, Dahomey comes on. Fletcher comes on. Fletcher then comes on the seventy-fourth minute, gets a yellow card in the seventy-seventh minute. <laughs> not great. Not 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 really great for your foot mob score uh, or <laughs> or anything else. And then Jackson Hopkins also comes on at the eighty-third minute. So I want to talk about this for a second. The team as it's currently constructed. So that is that's the whole bench. Uh, the benches that started was Zamudio, Dahomey, Antley, Hopkins, Fletcher, Akambone, and Rodriguez. So mm-hmm. you have one veteran. You have Dahomey and you have Rodriguez right now. Yep. So obviously, I think what's going to happen is you're going to find out. Well, Burnbaum will will reenter this picture at some point, uh, and as will Russell Knauss, which is a question, and we'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, but it is obvious that. From an attacking standpoint, you're going to rely on youth. You didn't make the moves in the offseason. You couldn't. Mm-hmm. This is who's going to come in to change the game. So all the complaining we have done about Dahomey, you know, we got to get over it because he is yep. he's going to be your game changer. He's potentially a left wing back in, in an attacking situation. Jackson Hopkins, Christian Fletcher have to be able to contribute. They have to be able to pull the weight and they have to be able to advance. Jackson Hopkins, uh, not really a factor in my mind in the short appearance. And Christian Fletcher... Gave the ball away, didn't understand where his teammates were going. I will put both of those down to nerves in a in a full house and Audi field, but it's just something we gotta look at. We always used to complain about why did Ben Olsen ever use his substitutes? And look at this bench. That's the reason why. <laughs> Similar story here, man. This is the 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 starting eleven have to make it happen, I think, more times than not. So that's just something to look at as the season continues. Yep. Uh yeah, and then the, the icing on the cake, the, the the slam dunk at the end. Aaron Herrera crosses Benteke, uh, out jumps, uh, <laughs> out jumps a a uh, a Hendrik Ravas who should feel really bad about it, and in fact already apologized to uh, Caleb Porter. And Caleb Porter was like, "Yeah, he knows he should have got it." Out jumps him, dunks it in, mm-hmm. scores the third. Good night, see you later. Uh, DC United escape. I don't want to say escape because that would that means like they got out easy. Yeah. DC United dominate, get three points, are on top of the table. <laughs> uh, you said third in the supporters group, the, the the supporters shield ranks right now based on goal differential yeah, or something. And 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 part of that's due to the fact that uh, Miami's played twice. That's right. So that's so, big, that's a big part of it. So just yeah. to break down on the stats real quick, possession fifty three percent, which is interesting for a, a, a game in which we had the we had the man advantage for most of it, which tells you New England wasn't trying to 
lay over and die, but it just sort of turned out that uh, they just couldn't be effective with it. Uh, 75% passing accuracy, 343 of 459 for DC, 69% for New England. Uh, DC had 30 shots <laughs> that are we sure about that five on target <laughs> uh, uh if if the right. ref I'm, is I'm, correct I'm, yeah i'm gonna double check foot mob and make yeah sure that would be a lot of shots sounds yes 30 shots uh five on target okay so that's counting all of the block shots on ted cutipiedro they had it has to be mm-hmm. okay and the two anyway. or, and the two or three misses i, I think uh christian Menteke himself had like a, a almost sure. like a three xg yeah um, <laughs> Yeah. So, so that's weird. That's a, that's a stat you're on. Five of 30 is not going to be a stat you see every week. Uh, and, uh, New England was more efficient with five out of 10 shots being on frame, four Mm -hmm. saves for Bono, two saves, uh, for New England, three yellow. Well, I don't, we're we're not going to trust these yellow card stats. Uh, decent. only had seven corners the whole game. Uh, just sort of the, sort of the dictate of the way the game was being played. So if you're betting corners, hopefully you pick the under. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I, I I talked about how I bet against DC United on this game. I uh, I pulled that bet out before the game started because I felt that it was not. <laughs> so thankfully, that's the one bet I didn't lose uh, any any money on. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any other. DC United aerials won 22, New England 13. Yeah. Uh, that, that is indicative. Most of those are on goals. Some of those are, are on uh, Benteke goals. Yeah, you you talked about you talked about the possession stats, but but I do think it's important to note that most of uh, New England's um, possession was in their own half. They had eight touches in the DC United box uh, the whole game uh, to forty nine for for us on their end. Um, so we definitely kept the game on their end of the field, which I think is something that even at our best over the last couple of years we we struggled to do. And and you you mentioned escaping, and and I think um, even when DC's won in the last couple of years, it does feel like a long time since we've dominated a game and won. I feel like the games that we've dominated are the ones where um, Benteke misses six out of six shots instead of three out of six shots yep. and we lose one, nothing two nothing at home uh, with like 60% possession. Um, so I think it's, um, it's different to, to have a feeling of control of a game. Um, yep. You know, I, I think, you know, there's been times where, you know, we've, we've won it, to me, it feels like it, you know, even when we were at our best under Rooney, um, and um, uh, wow, uh, my my mind is left. Lasada, uh, Lasada, certainly that was not that was not what he was looking. For. He wasn't looking to control the game. Um, so, uh, you know, sometimes Benny Ball had us do that in our own half, you right. know, for a long time. But um, it, it felt good. It did. I want to go over some individual stats. I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you, who do you think had the, the highest number of each of these stats? Uh, who do you think had the most shots during this game? Uh, Stroud? Pirani with eight. Pirani. Wow. Shots on target, who do you think had the most? Uh, Benteke? 
uh, that would be correct. Okay. <laughs> Pirani had eight <laughs> shots, one of them on target. By the way, he also yeah. had a 0.7 XG, and that's just on, I think, sheer volume of almost shots. They <laughs> must have gave him they must have gave him that. Uh, highest number of touches. This is somewhat it's usually gonna be defenders, but um, uh, who do you think was the most? Uh Santos? Santos was second at 59. Bartlett okay. was 62. The only okay. non-defender in that number was Mateus Click at 56. So mm. he was he, he, he had some better numbers too as well. Uh who had the most tackles? Uh, Herrera, Teddy, Teddy. Wow. So up in the so that if you think about all the times they were they were they were turning over possession inside mm-hmm. the opponent's half, it was mm-hmm. it was it was it was that uh, interceptions. I think I already said this number. Uh, Santos. Santos. That's okay. it. Was. Uh, most blocks. Most blocks. Peltola. I will give you a hint. It's not a defender. Okay. Not Peltola though. No. Not Maddie. Nope. Maddie had none. None. No blocks. Uh, no blocks. Jared Stroud. Okay. I just wanted to. I, I his numbers are fantastic. This whole game. He had he had a one xg. Uh, he had seven shot creating actions which is something this team needs a lot of, particularly if Pirani is as uh, some Joe Lowry, for instance, from backfield says is not a chance creator. You need players that can do that. Uh, highest uh, number of passes completed. And I will, I will, I will get rid of the defenders. Cause I think that is, that's expected. Did, did they have to play the whole game? No. Uh, Dahomey. I'm sorry. Number of completions, not percentage. Number of completions. Yeah, yeah. Um, McVeigh. Click. Well, McVeigh was overall 44. Okay. Click was ah. Click was number two. And okay. I just want to highlight Click again too. He had 11 progressive passes, which is uh, most in the team behind, uh, right in front of Pedro Santos, who had 10. Uh, mm-hmm. He had. He had. Uh, didn't have a lot of progressive carries. Pirani carried the ball a lot, which is which is again what people say that he is. He carries the ball. He's not a chance creator. Uh, and then he took on two players and was successful once. Uh, the high in take ons was Jared Stroud was six and succeeded twice. So okay. uh, you know we don't do we've not normally done that. I think we're going to sort of do that because I think the the stats are some, a place that I think we can dig a little bit deeper on rather than just assuming like, oh, Dahomey did poorly. Like, let's quantify and not just say that that's the case. Uh, So I think what you can take away from this overall is that Jared Stroud was a, was a big, was a big offensive factor. Uh, I think Mateus Click did what he did last year, but I think he had more available, more, more players who were looking for the ball on the attack uh, that, that I think, you know, enable him to be more effective. And, Mm -hmm. I think you can also say that we need to find a secondary score because uh, he's not going to Benteke is not going to score three a game. He has he he can he has enough opportunities that he squanders that squanders that it would be very beneficial to have somebody else that you can depend on to score double digit goals. Yep. I, th- um, I think that I think that's it from my end. Do you have anything else you want to say about this game before we? Move uh, on to I know you ready to get into questions. Many many questions. Yeah. Do you want to okay. start first? Or you want me to go? Um, I'll start first, uh, okay. cause I think it's, it's one of the things that was absent from the field. Um, they, uh, Dapper Dinosaur from, uh, 
Discord says. Recently new Patreon subscriber. Thank you, Dapper. <laughs> um, even though it's super early and Troy wasn't on the field, did we see anything in the game that might indicate what kind of effect he might have had on the team already? After listening to your conversation with Mark Fishkin, um, I got the sense that Troy was more of a people-first kind of coach. Um, maybe we saw some indications of that. I think so. I saw two. I heard two things. These are both. These are both things that did not happen on the field, which mm-hmm. is the question. But I'm gonna, you know, it's our podcast, so we can change yep. the question. Uh, one was we found out from uh, Angus, who was on the show last week, that Troy had a family day. Uh, where he invited all the players to bring their families to training uh, and and get acquainted with each other and sort of understand sort of like why we play and who we play for and, you know, what, you know, how do we build this this family camaraderie component after we got back from Saudi Arabia, that they did that. The other thing I noticed is he addressed the team after the win. And I encourage you to go, it's on YouTube right now. Uh, mm-hmm. It was sort of, they, they, they always do this, but... I'd say typically the post game comments are much more clipped and like just sort of, I don't know, they don't really inspire a lot of anything, but he, uh, first of all, he comes across like a guidance counselor, like a, like a nerd, like a nerd, like kind of a nerdy, nice guy. He, uh, he, he like had notes, like things he wanted to hit and he was just sort of, he was highlighting all the players that did really well. And just the, the, the vibe in the room and it always is good after win, but it seems very supportive of, every other member in the room. So I would say that the thing I have noticed most about this coach is that the advertisement on this is a good man and you're never going to find anybody that says anything different and Mm -hmm. that he's going to help change the culture of a team that really needs it. I think early days, but it seems like that is what his mission was and it's seeming to, they're seeming to buy into it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you happen to catch the, uh, the highlight video that DC dropped about an hour before um Mm-mm. we recorded um they included some of the like halftime locker room audio um and so troy was able to be then there at halftime um i think one of the things that i i felt was always missing with rooney as coach was that feeling of like passion like uh rooney was was kind of felt like a very procedural guy of like hey we're here we've, we've got a job to do go do the job sort of thing um, but, uh, I encourage anybody to go take a, take a listen. He gets really passionate. Hey, we're one up, you know, let's go F and get them in the second half. Um, I'm excited to see that energy on the bench. So, uh, first question from Twitter at Marxist stoner says, as much as I would like to see them stay on the bench, do you think Canals and Burnbaum are back in the starting level when healthy? If so, who comes off? This question got asked about five times in different yep. contexts. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I think there's a, there's probably a yes and a no in there, mm-hmm. um, or a yes and a maybe, um, I think Burnbaum, Yes. I, I, I think once he's ready to go, he makes it in, um, probably comes in, in a, in a comfortable situation as a sub, but once he's ready to go, I think he's back in the lineup. I don't, I don't think you make him your captain if you don't, if you expect him to sell the bench. Um, I think that if uh, Maddie Peltola continues to um, look and feel the way that he looked and feel in this game, um, I think Russell's going to have a fight on his hands. I had a different, so I had a, a bit of a different take on Peltola that I think that he is, uh, 
he had a lot of things that I thought were really good. And I think he had some things that I can attribute to youth and this being his first game in the league and it being a long time in between uh, in between matches for him is that his internal clock for when pressure would come was too slow. Uh, and that basically he would he would he would not necessarily come to the ball when he was turning for a pass and he would stay back and then a defender would be able to close on him very quickly and be right on his ass when he got the ball and didn't okay. allow him to necessarily turn with it. I think that is mostly down to needing game reps and you get okay. it, it takes time to get league. But I do agree. I think Burnbaum is your captain. He's going to play. Uh, you're going to have I mean, the fact that you were able to pitch that sort of defensive effort with with a brand new center back pairing that had never played with each other before or for this club Mm -hmm. is fantastic. It only speaks to the difference between our fears about what the center back depth was going to be like and at what Makai was thinking when he put the team together. So if, if that's the case, now we have a much stronger and that McVay trade was happening pretty late in the, in the preseason, but I'm glad it did. I think that I think we're now in a much more comfortable place. And it also kind of concerns me now about Matai's possibility of playing where if you have three center backs that are feeling very strong, where's that fourth one get play? It's hard to, it's hard right. to say. So I think canals to the bench as a, as a rotational option until, until Peltola, you know, proves otherwise. Yep. You got another one. Um, yep, I do. Uh, and so this kind of goes back to the game a little bit. Um, we, we didn't really touch the, on this in the rundown, but how much of the success on Saturday, uh, can be attributed to the fact that New England played a game in Panama on Wednesday. A lot. I think a lot. I think if you look at the rest of the league, every team that had a midweek game performed poorly, didn't win. They either drew or lost. Um, so without a doubt, you would think that there would be, the players would be more fresh from not having had been in the middle of the league. But I think actually the opposite, you don't train to the extent that you train in preseason in the regular season. It's not the, the load is different. And then the travel you're not used to yet. Panama's a long flight. So yeah, I think we got lucky there. And, you know, I think we get to see what decent United look like. It's not going to be apples to apples going to Portland on the road against a team. Uh, but it will be interesting to see sort of what DC United look against a team that has regular rest and didn't travel and is yep. now playing two home games in a row, which I think Portland will be doing. Uh, Brandon Zebron from Twitter says, what is one overreaction hot take you have after week one? Um, I can go first if you want to think. Yeah. Uh, that uh, Pirani is not our number 10. We will be in the market for a new one at the in, in the July window. They will write this off. Uh, as something you can do easily with an under 22 initiative as a player that just didn't, that didn't fit the, didn't fit the bill uh, for mm-hmm. the club. That's my overreaction with the asterisks that it's been one week and he can get better. Um, my overreaction is, uh, Ben Teke for, uh, golden boot locked up. Um, <laughs> he's got it now. He's not going to give it up the whole season. Um, or, or I think I, I can't remember it was on Twitter. So I think maybe golden, golden forehead, um, <laughs> is, uh, is, 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 is what, uh, what, what he'll have locked up. That's my I like reaction. It. Got another one. Uh, I did, uh, uh, until you, uh, you, you asked about the, the shopping for number 10. We had a question about that. 
Um, what was the question? Let's make sure we get it in. Uh, Pirani, young playmaker that needs to get used to MLS and his team or play style, or we've seen enough and now need to start shopping for a new number 10. Who asked that? Just so we get the name out there. Uh, Jay on uh, on Discord. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, we answered, at least, at least how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a real dissension. He is, he's, I'm trying to think of another player that's been so dis- divisive on an eye test. Um, yeah. There have been many of them. For whatever reason, right now, my brain can't think of it, but there, there have certainly been players where the data says one thing, the fans say another thing, and then the fans are even split too. So you hard know, to say. I, I, I really feel like with him, um, maybe the upside, at least initially felt like um, he brought something that we missed when uh, when Taxi left the team, like from a playmaking perspective of somebody who kind of could break lines on a carry. Um, you know, you and I talked at halftime of this game about how we were breaking lines via passing um, that, that we hadn't been before. Uh, something that Taxi could do when he played for us was uh, break the lines on a carry. I mm-hmm. think uh, Ted can do that sometimes, but I, I think that is where Pirani's strength is. I think the, and we saw that probably on display the first couple times he came on. I think since then we've seen the weaknesses he has in other areas. And I, I don't think we've, um, it's, it's, it's this weird, you know, he's been here a while, but we also get a little bit of time, but he also really hasn't had that much time to develop during that time sure. to where we've seen the weaknesses, the other weaknesses that exist, and we haven't seen any development thereof. So I think that's kind of, you know, your your hot take is a, is a good one if we don't see some sort of real improvement in those areas of weakness. For sure. All right. This is RJ, RJ Olson, uh, who uh, is a frequent Twitter question giver. Thank you for for always doing that, Richard. This is a two-parter. Um, and he said, I wonder what the story is with Mo Jazz. Seems like there's a story there. And then he said, a question in a similar vein. It doesn't look like Pedro Santos will be a good starting left back, better as a backup. Do you think they address the left back this window? Okay. So uh, the thing that comes out today, uh, Reef Fakay on Twitter um, said that the rumor on <laughs> across the ocean over in Sweden is that he wants to go back to Sweden and there's clubs that are interested on a loan or transfer. Hmm. This would be a, it happens at the wrong time for us. I don't know if it's, I don't know if they're thinking for the summer now. So uh, it was asked in the post game conference, Hey, uh, where was he? Was he injured? He wasn't on the bench. He wasn't in the injury report. Why didn't he play? And uh, Troy said it was an off the field decision. They've been in communication and uh, that he's, I'm going to leave it there. So that go, going along with the rumor that the player is unsettled and wants to move certainly, uh, certainly troublesome for where this club is now in the window and being unable to make a move on the, in, on the international market. I believe they're mm-hmm. the, the, the internal trade, you can still make some trades, the, the compliance that light pass, but not the internal, whatever, whatever roster deadline. Um, it would be a huge indictment on this club to have made the risk to bring this player in to make him the third highest paid defender in the league and get out of him four games, a broken ankle, mm-hmm. a legal problem in Sweden that was resolved, uh, coming back and then missing the opener 
due to some sort of off the field issue. Right. That would be that would be a huge indictment on the front office for for having that happen. But yeah, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, well, well, and you brought it up. the 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 timing, I think, is the the real thing here. Um, you know, I I I don't know what that looks like. Um, but if it's if if they're pulling him now, right? So you know, if we're if if that rumor were to be true, and they're pulling him now, and there's some sort of loan that they work out where he gets loaned out, you know, starting now, um, we the zero benefit to to DC United. Um, frankly, uh, and leaves a gaping, you know, left back size hole. Um, you know, we, you, you're, you're probably talking about one game in, are you thinking about how your back line is shaped? Right. And, you know, are we looking at a different, you know, are we looking at more of a three back system and who would, and then your, and then your depth problem. your depth problem solves itself right there, right? You, right. You're, you have McVeigh. You uh, do you play Herrera as one of the uh, the three center backs, which was rumored before. Yeah, it's it it calls into question a lot of stuff. They've got bodies back there, but the only place they don't have bodies is left back. Left back. Uh, Pedro Santos is not the guy you can count on there week in week out. It's just not. It's not a reasonable expectation. And uh, you know, I think it's great that we signed a player. Connor Antley mm-hmm. from Tampa Bay, like um, five minutes ago, and he already got in the game and got an assist. And and you know that that that's one of those things that you thought you know maybe maybe just like a depth pickup, you know he's there. Then Mohammed not being in the game in the same position. Um, it, you know. You're right. Maybe it was, maybe there was some forethought there. Maybe it wasn't just a body. They were thinking like, all right, well, what can we do? Uh, we have $5 on our salary cap. What, what, what player <laughs> can we get that will, that will work this out? Yep. So, yep. so somebody asked, I don't remember. I think he was asking on the Instagram live being like, does he start at Portland? Does Antley start or does Pedro Santos start? And it seems wild to me, but I think you have to, I think you maybe go with a three back system in, in, in Portland. Um, mm-hmm. And then two who, sixes to sit on top. Who just put four four past um, uh, who they play this weekend? Who did they? Well, of course, I we just, we were just talking about this. Uh, and they only scored one. Who was it? Oh, shit, <laughs> it was uh, uh, Colorado the Rapids, the team yeah. that made nine thousand signings uh, in the offseason and had some mm-hmm. good vibes surrounding them until it got immediately squashed. Yeah, I mean it's 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 going to be a, it's going to be a tough one. I think is I think is the thing that you should take away from that. And uh, Ted will have his preview of Portland either on the website or in the Friday episode. By the way, make sure you check out. We're going to be doing post game wrap ups on the website uh, for every game for the DC United and the Spirit this season. Previews maybe not, but post game we'll certainly do that. Um, I think I had. But but anyway, to answer your question, it is a problem. I don't know what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they might sign Graham Jones, who is an academy player who plays left back, but that's not really a solution either. That's a, that's just a body uh, at this point in his career. Uh, the question that I laughed the most out loud when I read was, this is from Mario Aguilar, says, whose red card was dumber, Veroni delaying a restart or Kamara taking off his jersey in 2022? And I literally started to eye twitch. I was like, oh my God, even I forgot about how much, how angry that made me. I forgot about that. 
The set, by the way, the first yellow car. Yeah, I guess it was the same sort of situation here. Yep. The Verani Delinger restart was the first yellow. The the jersey removal was the first yellow for for Kamara, who was mm-hmm. honoring his dead grandma. So like it's tough. There's an asterisk there for how mad you can be about him. But then he got a second yellow in the second half on a tackle inside uh, the opponent's 18. Like just kicked a player all along the and then got it got it and then we ended up losing the game and that was the beginning of the end for uh, Osada. I believe is how that went. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Ola Kamara a because yes. it hurt me personally. Hurt <laughs> yeah, me that's more. right. And um, anytime you get something that for not even in in play, like um, I get it, but <laughs> I agree. I agree with you yeah. entirely. Do we have any more questions from the Discord? Uh, I don't know. Okay. All right, guys. So thank you for getting all those questions in. We asked for them. Uh, neither Brian nor I, I'm used to being the the the, uh, the MC of this show. So we appreciate you giving us a lot of stuff. Uh, me, I mean, a, a 3-1 victory also helps us a lot have something to talk about. So I was thankful to Christian Benteke there on that front as well. So we talked about it. We've got a game this week, this weekend, Saturday mm-hmm. night. I believe 1030 is the start time. So we got an MLS after dark thing in week two already. Make sure you are fully caffeinated i know that i am becoming old and that i'm going to have to plan this is there's going to have to be a plan in place uh with caffeine it's not just going to be like oh, i'll just i'll just watch it nope uh yeah. that will not be so so yeah count on one of us doing uh, uh we'll be doing instagram live uh i'll be in my pajamas uh <laughs> but we'll be doing it it'll it'll happen Ted, um, ted's the youngster of the team so uh right, so right. tweet at him Ted, ted's been talking up uh, watch alongs in the background uh, so if you want to be up until like one thirty in the morning with Ted uh, doing a watch along, uh, let him know on Twitter. Yeah, he'll do it. If he'll do it, if you make him, or, you don't even you don't even have to make him. He's just looking for an excuse. So if we just get a little bit of people telling him to do it, uh, I want to wrap this up by saying thank you to our Patreons uh, who have we've seen a lot. We've seen a couple of people join here at the beginning of the season. If you want to get the episodes early, which would be Monday night. Uh, on our Monday shows, if you want to get the Friday shows at all, because it'll only go to you, uh, join us at the $5 tier and up at patreon.com slash RFK refugees. Another place you can support the show is subscribing to the channel on Twitch. And then the last place you can support the show, if you'd like, is to go to RFK refugees.com slash merch, I believe. Uh, and we've got shirts, we've got tote bags, we've got all the things you can buy that have our logo on them, including uh, green sauce jokes. Uh, and... You know, maybe, you know, maybe uh, Brian had a great idea. Maybe we're going to have some in stadium activations around green sauce. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what's we'll see what's possible. Um, Brian, thanks for stepping in tonight. Doing a great job. Uh, I can't wait for another game this weekend and a whole week slate of, of MLS games. So please uh, join us uh, next Monday night. And I'm sure we're going to have uh, a great show for you Friday as well. Uh, ha- have a great rest of your week uh, and catch you guys either Friday if you're a Patreon or a Monday Monday evening if you're not. Vamos. Yep. Vamos. Thank you for listening to RFK Refugees Podcast. Make sure you rate and review the show wherever you download podcasts. If you want to support the show, consider joining our Patreon or subscribing to our channel on Twitch. Lastly, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Threads, YouTube, Twitch, Goals.TV, Friendster, MySpace, and Tumblr. Some of those are even real. Vamos. Vamos.